Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the armor of God. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up those knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelow, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know there was armor of God. Yeah. Is it like the lasso of truth <laughs> and the whatever the Captain America shield is? Ooh, that's a good one. Or like the Iron Man suit. Exactly. What are we talking about? Is here? it a Spidey suit? I'm guessing this is Old Testamenty stuff. No. No. This is New Testament. Well, hit me. What's the backstory? All right. So this is written by Paul. Oh, okay. And you find it in a couple different places in his theology and his letters. But one of the places where it gets really expanded and pulled out is Ephesians chapter 6. Okay. And it's verses 10 through 17. So this is a letter that Paul writes to the people of Ephesus, uh-huh. the Ephesians. And in this letter, he talks about putting on the armor of God. Okay. So he's writing a letter. This is Jesus is dead. He's mm-hmm. writing letters to people because he can't physically travel everywhere. So he's keeping contact. Right. Right. And they have written what? We don't know how to keep this going. What? What is he writing this in response to? Great question. So again, let's definitely do a little refresher on who Paul is for folks. Okay. Paul is one of the early Christians. He became a Christian when the disciples were still alive. Okay. And he was the great missionary that took the message of Jesus out throughout the region. He did several missionary journeys and he would go to different towns and he would found a church there. He would create a Christian community there. Okay. And his story is, you know, really convoluted. Have we done a podcast on the conversion of Saul to Paul? I don't think so. Okay. Well, maybe we should do that. His story is really fascinating, but what we know is that he wrote a lot of our New Testament. Okay. The New in Te- letter form, right? In letter form, exactly. So we have the four Gospels, and those tell the story of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm-hmm. And then we have the book of Acts, which was written by the same person as the Gospel of Luke. Okay. And tells the stories of the early church and its development. And that's where we get the stories about Paul. Okay. Is from the book of Acts. And then we have all of these epistles or letters. And these are being written from the early church creators back to these communities. Okay. So the oldest book that we actually have in our New Testament, the earliest writing that we have is not a gospel. The earliest writing that we have is the first letter to the Thessalonians. Okay. And that's a letter written by Paul very early in his ministry, back to the people of Thessalonica. And he sends that letter, and then we get another letter. So we get 2 Thessalonians, which is his second letter to the people of Thessalonica. So throughout the New Testament epistle section are multiple letters from Paul throughout his years of ministry, writing back to various different communities about how to be church in the world. Okay. These are all written between like, and if my numbers are way off, then anyone who wants to police my numbers can totally clap back on me in Facebook. That's fine. But I think it's 
between the years 30 and 55, okay. right? So it's early, early, early years. And we have these letters to these different individual communities. And through them, we get to kind of suss out Paul's theology. Okay. In these years, we have things like the people of God experiencing great trials and tribulation. It's not an easy time. It's not. Lots and lots of Christian martyrs in those early years. Paul was actually one of the worst people who Mm -hmm. persecuted the early Christians before his conversion, caused a lot of death. So the people were living in a time where they could be killed for their faith. This is the feeding the Christians to the lions part of the world. Okay. Absolutely. So Nero and blaming the Christians on burning of a city and really horrible, horrible, difficult time to be a member of the faith. Okay. And in that context, then armor doesn't seem like such a strange thing. Right. So we have Paul writing to an oppressed people Mm -hmm. who are living in a time of military occupation. Mm, Okay. That's another piece to remember is that this is a time of Roman military occupation of the region. And we've talked about it previously on the podcast when we kind of talked about the way that Jesus does nonviolent resistance. Okay. If someone tells you to carry their armor for a mile, carry it for two. Okay. And what that is a reference to is not be submissive, but any Roman soldier could conscript a random citizen to carry their gear for them for a mile. But if they were to carry it beyond that mile, then that Roman soldier is up for punishment for abusing the privilege. Oh, interesting. And so a way of passive resistant, nonviolent resistance is to just continue to carry it beyond Mm -hmm. that mile so that the shame then goes on to the soldier, turns back instead of it being on you. That whole section of the gospel that teaches us that kind of passive nonviolent resistance is because it's in this time and place of military occupation. Sure. And so the people of Ephesus would have seen armor, Roman armor on the occupiers, on the people who are coming to arrest them and have them killed. And it's not an uncommon thing. We hear the words of this passage that Paul writes, and I think that we get this I mean, in North American Christianity, certainly, we get this image of plate mail armor. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, I stumbled across this when I was looking at the Lutheran handbook, and the picture in the Lutheran handbook is very much comic booky in terms of pointing to the helmet of blah dee blah uh-huh. the, breast the breastplate of blah, uh-huh. the sword of this, and the yeah. down to the shoes. All the way to the shoes. All the way to the shoes. So Paul describes these things in this particular section of Ephesians. In other writing, he kind of only does one or two pieces, but in Ephesians 6, 10 to 17, he does the whole thing. The whole thing. Okay. He explains out this whole thing. And I will say that I, years ago, when I first started ministry, so a decade ago, I hated this image. Yeah? Yeah. I thought it was violent. I thought it was the return to that kind of militaristic Christianity that I find offensive and difficult. I guess I never took it any place but the comic booky lasso of truth kind of thing. <laughs> I wasn't into comic books at the time. Mm, so I've just watched a lot of those kind there of movies recently. Yeah. And so I didn't 
I don't know, it reeked to me of the Crusades mm. and the mm-hmm. violence of the Crusades and a, a way to justify Christian it, yeah, violence. in an unhelpful way. Totally. And then I had a very tumultuous, difficult church conflict time. Oh, okay. And those who know me through that experience of first call and who lived through that church conflict alongside and with me would verify it was a horrible experience for all of us. Church conflict is devastating. Oh, I it believe can it. take decades of friendship and tear it apart. It can take people's faith and shred it. Church conflict is devastating and hard and heartbreaking. And for myself as a new pastor in that kind of a situation, I was doing what I felt was the best thing long term for Mm -hmm. the truth and the hope of this congregation. Which is usually the hardest to do in the short term. And very much at the time would not have given myself the grace to say that I was serving in the role of a prophet, right? Like a truth Mm -hmm. speaker. But if you continue in this pattern, this really negative thing is going to happen to you. So we have to change the way in which we're acting or else mm-hmm. we're going to face really horrible things. But to be someone who calls out that truth is really awful. Oh, yeah. People don't like that. No. And they really didn't like me at that point. And it was incredibly painful and incredibly divisive and a very, very dark and hard time. Hmm. And in the midst of that, a woman that shared the ministry space with us as a musician came to me and said, I'm praying for you the armor of God to protect you so that your heart can remain soft. Wow. And I spent time with that image of this armor of God on the exterior that is hard and protective in order to keep my own heart soft. Mm -hmm. Because to go into conflict hard-hearted... That's not going to get anywhere good. Right. But to go into conflict without any kind of protection and a soft heart... Equally not going to go anywhere good. Exactly. And so with the armor of God to protect, that image suddenly became something I could understand. So it's not about slaying devils, evil, whatever. It's about protecting the person. And for me, it became about protecting the child of God within the pastor. Mm -hmm. It became about making certain that the baptized Amanda Clare, worthy of love, shiner of light, which is what Amanda Clare means, my Mm -hmm. name, that that baptized child of God continued to hold that identity rather than only having the identity of pastor in the midst of church conflict. Hmm. And the image of the armor could be that pastor in the midst of church conflict Mm -hmm. and the child of God could remain protected. And so my heart was kind of opened up to this image in a different way and not saying that I in any way experienced the persecution of the early church, but understanding how this kind of an idea of armor could be something beyond just a weapon to be used against other people. Okay. And so that, that opened my heart. Years later, a couple years later, I had the opportunity to really sit down with this passage mm-hmm. and go through it and ponder through it. 
And it was time after where I had healed. Mm -hmm. The church conflict had found its resolution. The congregation is healthy and doing really well now. That's good. And all kinds of beautiful grace came from that. Not that it was easy in any way and not that there aren't things to apologize for and those kinds of pieces, but God's grace was sufficient. And over time, spending time with this passage, just a very different image of what that armor could look like came and I preached about it. And we'll put the link to the sermon on our podcast page. So Mm -hmm. if you go to centralportland.org and click on the page that gets you to the blog post, you can find the link or you can go to wordbalancing.org and type armor up on the right-hand search bar and the assignments will come up. And I've preached this a couple of times now. Okay. In a couple of different contexts because I think it's just beautiful. All right. We've danced around this subject. Let's get to it. What are the bits and pieces that make up the armor of God? So... In Ephesians, it Mm -hmm. starts with the belt of truth. Okay. Belt is not where I would have started, but hit me. All right. So the belt of truth, if you think about it, instead of an armored belt that wraps around you to hold the weapon that you fight with, Uh the culture of Paul's day believed that our deepest emotions resided not in our heart, where we talk about like it's in your heart, but in your guts. Oh, okay. So a really great Greek word is the splunktidzomai. Whoa. And that's your guts. And when you feel something really strongly, you feel it in your splunktidzomai. You feel it in your gut. Okay. And so what if instead of this being the truth becoming a weapon or a weapon holder, right? what about the belt of truth is something that you wrap around your gut reactions? Oh, Interesting. And that wrapping your inherent just gut thoughts with truth. Hmm. So there's your belt of truth. Way different from the utility belt. Way different than a utility belt. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we hear about the breastplate of righteousness. Mm. Okay. And so if we think of what the breastplate does, it's a crafted solid piece of armor, covers your shoulders, your hearts, mm-hmm. your lungs, right? What if instead of a solid piece of plate armor, we think that our heart and our lungs are covered by a breastplate of righteousness like the baptismal garment that we wear? That's very different. And what if instead of guarding ourselves for pitched battle with steel and hard metal, we guard ourselves with a white robe of hope? Mm. And we think about that baptismal garment that we are given this white robe of peace and hope and proclamation of grace. That is a very different battle you are girding your loins for. <laughs> Keeps going. Okay. I love this because it's the shoes. Oh, the shoes. Okay. So verse 15. I'm very female and that I love a good pair of shoes. Right? So Ephesians 6, this is my favorite. As shoes for your feet, put upon whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. Ooh. So... Often this gets depicted as the big, shiny boots, battle boots and armored shins. Oh, that is so not where my hair is going. Yeah. What are the shoes that would make you ready to proclaim the gospel, the good news of God's peace? A good rockin' pair of kicks. Yeah. Yeah. 
whatever shoes would fit Mm -hmm. your context, right? Sometimes for me, that's been a pair of roller skates. Sometimes that's been a pair of chucks. Sometimes it's a pair of high heels, Mm -hmm. right? It's not, again, about being able to kick something hard or to protect your ankles from being knocked out from underneath you. The armor of God, the shoes that go with that are whatever make you ready to proclaim the good news of God's peace. Nice. All right, so then we get the shield of faith. And the shield of faith is a really fascinating piece if we think about the Roman army's shields. Yeah. Because they had the big, tall shields that they could overlap, interlock, and create the phalanx, right? And a modern version of that is the riot police Mm -hmm. shields, right? So they were leather, And they Mm -hmm. were doused with water so that if flaming arrows came, it would put the flaming arrows out and the shields would not catch on fire. And so not only is the shield of faith something that can put out flaming arrows thrown at you, Mm -hmm. but it also helps to cover the person next to you. Oh, okay. Right? Sure. And it's not so much to deflect an arrow back to the enemy, but what if it is to provide respite and rest? Something that you hide underneath. Sure. That your shield of faith is not a weapon, but a shelter. Sure. For you and for those around you. Absolutely. Hmm. Then we get to the last piece. We get to the helmet of salvation. Mm. And instead of thinking of this hard helmet with a plume on the top, right? What if this helmet of salvation is the baptismal water? that pours down upon us and the mark of the cross of Christ that claims us as Christ's own forever. This promise that no matter what we endure and no matter what we experience, even death, that this salvation has been promised to us and there is nothing that will separate us from the love of God. And so it goes from this image of a metal clad Roman soldier, Roman soldier, right? To someone who is walking in a baptismal garment with, with wet hair, wet hair, and holding themselves in truth and shoes that are appropriate to the context, right? And so the single piece of offensive gear, right? Not defensive mm-hmm. gear, but offensive gear that we are given in the list then is the word of God. The way that Paul describes it is it's not the word of God in order to slay the heresies of others. You're not going to proof text the Bible and win all the arguments. Right. Your sword is the word of God to proclaim the gospel of peace. Wow. Again, your sword becomes not something to harm others with, Uh but is the word of God and the promise of the good news of peace. And so this armor takes all of the imagery that we cling to of violent protection and offensive hardness, and it tosses it up in the air and says, hold on to truth and salvation and the promises you've been given and go into the world ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful image and incredibly challenging. Oh, sure. Because to go into the world in that manner 
Nobody wants to do that. It's they want difficult. the flame arrows. We want to be superheroes. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. We want to be superheroes, but we are superheroes when we step out in the armor of God in this way and fully claim our baptismal promise wrapped in the garment of righteousness and truth, proclaiming peace and shalom for all. Fantastic. All right. This is going to lead me to my last question. Mm -hmm. Is there anything missing in this armor of God, in your opinion? (laughs) I don't know. I guess. Do you like it as it is, or do you really want that lasso of truth? Do I really want a lasso of truth? (laughs) I think that Paul was wise that truth was not something to force force against others, but to guard our own thoughts and guard our own reactions. I think that that's smart. You know, if there were gauntlets of some kind, maybe, (laughs) that would give the good and capable words, that'd be awesome. But no, I this image of kind of striding out in a baptismal garment with the cross, you know, sealed on the forehead, it's just been such a gift to me for so long, no matter what shoes I have on in the day. I can't think of anything else. I would love to hear what others think. Yeah, let us know if there's a piece you think is missing. Some gauntlets of joy, or I don't know what. Yeah, that might be fun, or or a necklace of hope. I don't don't know. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the armor of God. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for listening in. I hope that this explanation of the armor of God gives you even one-tenth of the modicum of hope that it has gifted to me over the years. We would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org. Leave us a review on iTunes and always interact with us on Facebook. We are around and would love to have a chance to know you more. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.